This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. My prayers have been answered. I've always wanted a husky, deep voice. And now I have a cold and a husky voice. <laughs> so, uh, told myself earlier after the first service, just one to go, one to go. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Pray for me. Praise God. Okay, so uh, if it gets interesting, I will just cough on the side and then get back to it. Okay, so we're doing a series called uh, about revival. And, um, and, and, and this morning, I'm focusing on unlocking revival. I'm going I'm to share with you one of the keys One of the keys for un- unlocking revival, it's connected to identity. It's connected to knowing who you are in Christ. And in honor of uh, our freedom encounter, we, you know, um, I want to, yeah, I've heard that the Prince of Darkness has some competition. So I want to read this to you. You can put it on the next slide. Madam and Eve, Hallelujah. I uh, hate to be the one to tell you this, sir, but reports from the upper world says there's another prince of darkness. Another prince of darkness? What's his name? Belial, Belzebub, Zumil, Abaddon, Eskom. Never heard of him. My apologies to all the Eskom employees in the house. But if we're not going to laugh, we're going to cry. Okay, so I'm uh, going to help us to laugh a bit. It continues there. We hear this Prince Eskom is mighty indeed. Without warning, he can turn light into darkness. He can render people powerless. He can bring an entire nation to its knees. They even say he's been load shedding. What's load shedding? I don't know, but it sounds ominous. There can be only one prince of darkness. Find this Eskom and bring him to me. Yes, your evilness. Phoning there. You have uh, reached Eskom. All our operators are busy. Please hold. We value your call. Raindrops keep falling on my hair. Hello. This is Zoltar, a sub-demon of the lowest ring of the netherworld, calling at the behest of my master, the Prince of Darkness, who challenges Eskom to a battle of power with a loser suffering in the forbidden flames for all eternity. Click. Who was that? I don't know, but he was one upset customer. <laughs> I am sure they are getting interesting calls. I am sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. We all need saving. Eskom also needs saving. Lord, please, please help us. Amen. Okay, so so last week I shared uh, an update on our vision and mission as a church. And it's called Revival. Revival to hearts, homes, and cities. Revival. That is our vision, our mission. We want to see revival move to hearts. We want to see revival manifest in our homes where our families are healed, our, our marriages are restored, our 
parenting becomes healthy, that the, the home needs to be transformed if this thing is real. And then cities, East London must be changed. And beyond that, other cities must also be impacted. Okay, and so this morning, I'm going to focus more on the revival to hearts. One of the keys for you to step into revival for yourself. One of the keys. And it's connected to identity. So in the previous messages, I shared that if we want revival, we need to be hungry. We need to believe that there's more. There's more. You don't believe there's more. Come on, say it. There's more. Okay, there's always more. There's always more. There is more. And I've seen this, sometimes people can't understand this, but there's a, like you have a supernatural hunger for that more. You love him, you're thankful for knowing him, but there is more and you pursue the more. And, and sometimes people are like, like they also may be a believer and they're listening to someone that's really hungry and they struggle to understand this. Like, but you are a Christian and you believe in God. And, but what is this hunger? It's a supernatural something that God drops into our hearts, into us, but it's like, but there's more. And, I, and it's something God gives us that moves us to pray, that moves us to change our lifestyle, that moves us to pursue the more. Okay, that's being hungry. And so you need to be hungry. You need to desire the more. But if you only desire the more, you can be extremely frustrated in life. And I've experienced that. And that's why you need to be hungry, yet thankful. Okay, hungry, Get thankful. And there's something about thanksgiving that gives us a, a healthier context that you're present in the moment, that you, you, you stand in a better place so that you can move into the more. I mean, just this morning driving here, I was just, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for all you've done in my life. I remember as an 18 year old, not knowing you, having a bit of a disastrous background, if I didn't meet Jesus, if I had to continue the trend that I was on, it would have been absolutely destructive. I would have destroyed my marriage if I, <laughs> Sonica wouldn't have married me, <laughs> but whoever it was, I would have destroyed the marriage because of all the, the brokenness on the inside and the addictive uh, trends in my life. And, and I just know if I, if I, if, if I didn't meet Jesus, I wouldn't have purpose. I wouldn't have meaning. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, guys, what do you have without Jesus? Nothing. So, I mean, we can be thankful. There's so much to be thankful and you need to live in that space. Thankful for what you have. You have more than what you think. Okay. And sometimes the key to the more is simply to be thankful. And then suddenly you see that you have more than you thought. <laughs> Amen. Thanksgiving gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. Gives us eyes to see what we already have and how blessed we are. So you need to be hungry yet thankful if you want to move into all that God has for you. And now I want to add an extra component. For if you want to be a revivalist, if you want to release revival, if you want to change your environment, you need to be hungry yet thankful and free. You need to be free. You need to be free from your past. You need to be free from the things that keep you back. Even as Michael shared this morning, there were things keeping him back. He couldn't read the word of God after coming to Christ the first time. He had a, he had a block, a demonic block that he had to be set free from. What's blocking you? What's blocking you? 
What's inhibiting you? You see, the demonic is a lid on our lives. The demonic keeps us from stepping into the will of God. What is holding you back? What is amplifying the addictions in your life? What is causing you to become destructive in your thinking, in your words you speak, in your behavior? Because I tell you, if you don't deal with those things, it brings destruction to the home. It brings destruction to the home. Most marriages struggle not because of the marriage, but because of personal issues. You need to deal with your stuff if you want your relationships to work. And so what happens is often because we become so used to our brokenness, we become so used to the things that we struggle with, we think it's us. That's just who I am. I'm just a very fearful, anxious kind of person. Absolute rubbish. Who told you that? Who told you that you're a fearful, anxious person? That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. Oh, I can't speak in front of people. Who told you that? Who told you that? Oh, I just struggle. I've got addictive personality, and so I always struggle with stuff. Who told you that? Who told you that you're always supposed to struggle? Who told you? Who told you that you are, that there's no hope for you or on this area of your life? Who, who told you that? Because I tell you, it's not, the vo- it's not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God saying that to you. He wants to set you free. But you need to realize that I need freedom. And you need to realize that God is able to do it. Amen. We underestimate the schemes of the enemy. And, and the result of that is that we feel disconnected from God. I tell you, if you feel disconnected from God, it's not you. It's possibly a demonic thing disconnecting you from the Lord. But you need a desire to reconnect. You need a desire to be in his presence. You need to, you need to have that hunger on the inside of you to move you beyond. It's not something somebody can just do for you. You have to desire it. You have to want it. I want to be free. I want to be who I truly am destined to be. I want to be the man God has called me to be. That, or the woman that God has called you to be. Okay? So you need a desire you need a desire then. And so we see from, uh, from the we, lessons from history, the first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity was unstoppable. It was just expanding, even though uh, the Roman Empire was like, there was a lot of persecution, a lot of opposition. But they had a few truths, and obviously the presence of God, but they, they believed every believer is a minister of the gospel. That was what was preached and proclaimed and so the believers were were empowered and and revival was spreading revival fire was spreading across the roman empire it brought the roman empire to its knees but then as it became institutionalized at start at the beginning it was fine but over time a few lies poisonous lies came into um what was then the roman catholic church and it's not about the Roman Catholic Church, about any church group, any, any, any movement. It begins in the spirit and over time, it becomes overly structured, doesn't make space for, for the Holy Spirit, and then tend to bring in a few lies. And so the one lie that came in uh, around 400 AD, they, 
It was communion, water baptism, and other foundational components of the activities of the priesthood of believers were removed from them, the believer, and given to the priest. So like only the priest can do communion. Only the priest can baptize people. And only the priest does real ministry. So if you want to put the devil in the pulpit, he will tell you, you guys, the rest of you, you're a bunch of sinners, eh? So shut up, be quiet, sit, and real ministry happens here. Okay? If the devil was in the pulpit, he would want to, sh- he want to quiet you. Shut up. You're nobody. You're a miserable sinner, eh? Miserable sinner. You have nothing to offer. And so these, these poisonous lies came in. Two poisonous lies connected to identity. That the believer, the average believer, you're not a priest, and only the priest may do ministry. Number two, you're not a saint, just a sinner. And all the true saints are dead. Because eh? that's what they do. Eh? They celebrate honor saints from the past, which is beautiful to honor the people from the past. But it communicates this, this poisonous lie that the real saints are all dead. But that's not what scripture says. That's not what the word of God says. You see, identity is massive. So look at this, Philippians 1, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops, the overseers, and deacons, the serving saints. Then it says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul starts his letter by anchoring it in identity. To all the saints, not to all you miserable sinners. That's, there's a massive difference. Never forget that you were a miserable sinner. Never forget that you were lost with no hope. No way out, drowning in your sins and your stuff. Until Jesus came and he saved you. Never forget that. We need to be, we never, 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 never forget. But then Jesus did this miracle in you. He transformed your identity. He changed who you are. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he also raised you with him. He raised you from miserable sinner to saint. From an orphan having to fend for him or herself to becoming a son or a daughter of God. From being a nobody to being royalty, meaning you have authority, you're somebody, you have something to offer. When you speak, heaven listens and hell trembles. He he, he raised you with him. You have to get this massive shift, new creation. You were dying in your sins. Now you're a new creation. This world has never seen anything like this before. You are a new creation. There's nothing. There's never been anything like us, the people of God. And he chose you. He chose you. He pursued you. And he loves you. I love what Chris Valentin says. He says that, you know, I was saved when, when, when I believed in Jesus. But I was transformed when I realized that he believes in me. Amen. And that's powerful. We see it. 
abusive, broken dads destroy young lives. But our heavenly father, his love, his kindness, his belief, his goodness can overcome whatever deficit we have in our lives. His love and his kindness and his mercy is an overpayment for everything you've been through, all the negatives in your life. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter. His goodness and love, when your heavenly dad says, hey, I believe in you, I back you. Hey, 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 look at me, look at me. I'm for you. And I see a world changer. I see my boy, I see my girl. I back you. I love you. And I've made all my resources available to set you free. That's transformation. When you realize that not just somebody believes in you, but the creator of heaven and earth believes in you, that changes something. That moves you from living, from just existing, to actually living with purpose and a sense of destiny. Amen? Come on, so if we are to unlock revival, you and I need to discover who we are in Christ. This is the fight of your life. It's defining. When you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you think about that person? What do you speak about that person? Because if your thoughts are mediocre, well, guess what? You're going to live a mediocre life. Yeah, nobody. Failure. What's the point? But if you look at that person and you see what God sees, you're going to live differently. You're going to live differently. Hmm? You're going to live differently. So we need to get the enemy, that, that self-speak, that negative self-speak that breaks us down the whole time. You need to expose it for what it is. It's from the pit of hell. Because it wants to keep you bound. It wants to keep you bound. So he, the question is, where do you stand? On what are you building your life? If you think you're worthless, you're probably going to go look for love in all the wrong places because you're not worth anything better. So here's a picture of a rubbish dump. Are you building your life on a rubbish dump? The rubbish, the trash represents the negatives, the lies, the unbelief. The negative self-speak, the failures from the past, the lies of the enemy. If you build, there's a lot of people building their lives there. There's a lot of believers building their lives there. They're more like unbelieving believers. Negative self-speak, and then we agree with it with our words. We start speaking over ourselves. I'm nobody. Just a sinner. Just a loser. No, no. The word of God says you're a saint. You're a son or a daughter of God. You're royalty. You're royalty. As a believer in Christ, the very DNA of God runs through you. The blood of Jesus runs through you. You're valuable. But so many people live there. As you see, all those people are building their lives on the rubbish dump of lies. Unbelief. Negatives. Complaining. 
And they are these negative moments in our past that defines us in a bad way. As with Michael, as he shared his story, you know, the Lord took him to the army. And when his best friend died because he was drunk and Michael gave him the keys to the car. And that has been killing him for 30 years. And he died in a car accident, car wreck. That was tormenting. We had to pray into that. There needs to be freedom. And so we have these negative moments in our past and we are bound to those negatives and it's still killing us. It's building your life on the rubbish dump. But there's a better place. And the second image speaks of this. You need to build your life on the rock, Christ. Amen. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he raised you with him. And you need to take up that place and you need to fight to get off the rubbish dump and onto the rock. You need to fight. You say, stuff it. It's smelly over here. It stinks. I want to move to a better place. Get out. But first you need to discern it. You need to see it. You need to become self-aware that this kind of thinking and lifestyle of hopelessness, of unbelief, of negatives, this is not the will of God for me. This is rubbish dump. I'm not going to take it. You're royalty. Why would you want to live on a rubbish dump? You're child of the king. Why do you want to live on the rubbish dump? Move over. Come on, say it. I'm going to, I'm moving over. (laughs) Move over. Move to the higher place in God. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the schemes of the enemy. He's a deceiver. And he wants to keep you bound in unbelief. So look at this passage, Exodus 33. I've been touching on this over the last three weeks or so. And this is Moses. Moses was a man hungry for the more. Moses was a man like, man, I have so much of God, but I want more. So he's on the mountain in the presence of God. And then he says, please show me your glory. God, I want more of you. I don't want to settle. Verse 19, then he said, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. You want the more? Let my goodness pass over you. See my goodness. Do you see the goodness of God is the foundation? It's the foundation of revival. Guys, at times, things are going to happen in your life, negatives. But are you a victim of that negative? Or are you a powerful person that breaks out of it? I see it again, this rubbish dump thinking, I'm a victim. If my ex-husband just didn't do that, or if that thing didn't happen, if only that didn't happen, if they only that they didn't say that, then I could. But we are bound in those cycles. And I'm so proud of, you know, someone like Jessica Richter, you know, a year and a half ago, her husband was murdered and she's got two little kids. What is she doing? She's coming on to staff with us. She's doing announcements last week. They had a ladies thing yesterday where she is speaking and ministering to other women. What? Your life should be destroyed. You should be sitting in a corner feeling sorry for you and cussing the name of God. 
How could you do this to me, Lord? No, he's good. He's good. He's not the author of evil. He's good. It's the foundation upon which we must stand. It's the rock upon which we must stand. But the rubbish dump thinking is he's bad. It's his fault. He doesn't love me. No, that's rubbish dump. That's the lies of the enemy. Don't allow the enemy to trick you to be bound to that rubbish dump. He is good. Amen. Come on, say it. He's good. He's good. He's not the author of the negatives. He's the author of the good. But you have to move off the rubbish dump. The enemy wants to keep you there. No, move. Move. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. He's gracious. And I will have compassion. On whom I will have compassion. He's compassionate. He is love. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Verse 21, and the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. Here's a place. Here's a place by me. Here's a place close by me. Here is a place. God is speaking this to you and me. He's saying, get off the rubbish dump. Come and stand here close to me. That intimate place. Where? On the rock. On the truth. On who I am for you. Come and take up that place. And so God is calling you and me into that place. On the rock. Come on, say it. I'm going to stand on the rock. Come on, stand on the rock. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 to 5, speaks about the, the Israelites who were in Egypt, came out with Moses. They experienced the miracles. They experienced the power of God. And yet they stayed on the rubbish dump. And they could not have the promised land. So look at this. It says, moreover, my brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. They experienced the same things. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Moses hit the rock and the living waters came out and they drank. And, and the author is this, Paul is saying that was Christ, the rock. And in verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So they experienced the miracles. In our context, you've heard the testimonies. You've heard the stories. Another life changed. Another life changed. Another life changed. Salvation, healing, freedom. But it needs to translate into your life. Where you need to say, I'm going to make this mine. I'm not just going to hear it and be passive. I'm not just going to say, oh, well, that's wonderful and stay on the rubbish dump. No, 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 no. You see, the Israelites came out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. They came out of slavery, but they were still slaves in their mindset. There's so many believers like that. So many Christians still living on the rubbish dump because not aggressively renewing our minds. You have to aggressively renew your mind. You say, this is mine. This is for me. You have to own it. Scripture is an invitation to the more. God doesn't force it on us. He says, you will, you have to know. He says, 
Are you hungry for it? Are you saying yes for it? Are you, are you pursuing it? Or are you okay with staying on the rubbish dump? Joe, I must just someday just bring a lot of rubbish into the place here. Just like real good illustration, like really stinky set up here. <laughs> Move to the rock Christ. I love this quote. Reiner Bonke says, Jesus Christ is the rock in the surging waves of confusion. Standing on that rock, you may sometimes tremble, but that rock never does. He is steadfast and sure in time and eternity. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I feel I need to say this to somebody. God is saying to you, I am for you. He really is. He really is. He's for you. And he's made available everything to set you free, to heal you. I love the story of of, of Smith Wigglesworth. The next slide shows a picture of him. He, He had an incredible ministry. Um, and yet nothing happened until he was in his mid-40s. And then he had like 40 years of ministry, died at the age of 85, 86, and the world has been changed through his ministry. But nothing happened basically before the age of 45. And his story is a story of a man that built his life on the rubbish dump until he had a God encounter and he moved over onto the rock. And so I want to read a little bit of his story. But he was an illiterate plumber who was incapable of speaking in front of a crowd. He preferred serving in the background while his wife did the preaching. What a man. What a man. But after he encountered the face of God, a mighty, mighty change came. He became a a healing revivalist. 13 plus people raised from the dead. Incredible things happened. But so a bit of his story is he was hungry for more. And so he went to another part of the UK, the United Kingdom, to, to, to a church to receive prayer so that he can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, for four days, I wanted nothing but God. But after that, I felt that I should leave for my home. So for four days, he was praying in this place. And I went to the Episcopal Vicarage to say goodbye. I said to Mrs. Body, the vicar's wife, I'm going away, but I've not received the tongues yet. He was trusting for speaking, praying in tongues. She answered, it's not tongues you need, but the baptism, baptism of fire, Holy Spirit. He said, I've I've received the baptism, sister. I protested, but I I would like to have you lay hands on me before before I leave. She laid her hands on me, and then I had to go out of the room. She had to go out of the room. The fire fell. He says, it was a wonderful time as I was there with God alone. He bathed me in power. I was conscious of the cleansing of the precious blood. And I cried out, clean, clean, clean. As Michael shared, he experienced this cleansing by the power of God. I was filled with the joy of the consciousness of the cleansing. I was given a vision in which I saw the Lord Jesus. I beheld the empty cross and I saw him exalted at the right hand of God the Father. I could speak no longer in English, but I began to praise him in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. I knew then, although I might have received anointings previously, that now, at last, I'd received a real baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
as they received on the day of Pentecost. After Mrs. Body had prayed for me, for him, Wigglesworth telegraphed his wife, along with the rest of their holiness people. They didn't believe in a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit after salvation, nor did they believe in the gift of tongues. So he sent the telegraph on 28 October 1907, and it read to his wife now, I have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and I've spoken in tongues. Polly Wigglesworth responded to her husband, I want you to understand that I am as much baptized as you are, and I don't speak in tongues. I have been preaching for 20 years, and you've sat beside me on the platform. Very respectful wife. But on Sunday, you will preach yourself, and I will see what there is in it. Although fully involved in the work, he used to struggle to speak publicly and left all the preaching to her. He had to win over his wife before he could win over the rest. So Polly had thrown down the gauntlet. And next Sunday, she sat on the bench at the back of the wall, of the hall. Uh, and when it was time for, for, for Smith to preach, he walked up to the stage, the platform, and then he spoke. The Lord gave him Isaiah 61, verse 1, and said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he was. It says, Smith preached fluently under a heavy anointing. He didn't break down and weep as he had done on previous occasions. He couldn't preach. He would just cry. Smith himself said, Suddenly, I felt that I had prophetic utterances which were flowing like a river by the power of the Holy Spirit. Polly couldn't believe what she was seeing and hearing. She shuffled up and down the bench and said in a whisper, but still loud enough for those around her to hear, that's not my Smith. That's not my Smith. Amazing, amazing. What's happened to the man? He was indeed different. And then the people had incredible encounters that morning. God started to move mightily as the power of God came and nations were shaken through this man who was hungry, then had an encounter and then he moved off the rubbish dump onto the rock and he believed. And he's known as the apostle of faith. He's like, I believe. That's what you need to contend for. You need to contend. You need to move off the rubbish dump of unbelief and negativity and complaining and hopelessness and negative self-speak and breaking yourself down onto the rock where you see yourself and think about yourself and speak about yourself and your circumstances according to how God sees. It's the fight of your life. So I can imagine with Smith Wigglesworth, some of his rubbish dump thinking. Here's four things of Smith's rubbish dump thinking. I'm nothing special. I'm an illiterate plumber. What can God do through me? I don't have any special qualities. I have no God history. I'm in my mid-40s. And God has never done great things through me. What's going to change now? Maybe he had comparisons. <laughs> Look at my wife. She's the preacher. I'm not. So the comparison's killing him. Or maybe he thought, I have to work for it. 40 days of fasting. Maybe I'll be good enough for God to bless me. No, you don't work for it, guys. Jesus paid for it so we can receive it as a gift. You don't work for your relationship with Jesus. You believe and then you live it. 
Don't work for it. Don't try to earn it. That's one of the biggest traps. Revival will not come because we pray enough. Revival will come when we move off the rubbish dump onto the rock and we realize how much authority we have and we realize who we are in Christ and then we're going to pray. Then we're going to pray the will of God into being. Then we're going to live differently. But we need to see ourselves differently. We need to see ourselves as God sees us and then we can step into it. So solid rock thinking. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he raised you with him. You have to see it. A massive shift from where you were to who you are now in Christ. From death to life, from darkness to light. Massive, massive shift. What are you standing on? Are you standing on the failures of the past? Are you allowing that to define you? Or the mediocrity of the past? Or are you standing on the victories of Christ? Solid rock thinking is something like this. No, it's not about my ability. That's why the apostle Paul could say, guys, I actually boast about my weaknesses. I am so excited about my weaknesses because then the power of God's going to rest on me. It's not about me. It's about him with me. This is massive. I mean, that's what the scriptures say. Jesus said, surely I say to you, he who believes in me, he, the same works he's going to do. Because it's not you, it is God through you. But again, the key is faith. Belief, that is the key. So you can celebrate. How about getting excited about all your faults and all your weaknesses and all your, all your stuff? Because then God's going to show up. So it's not about my, my ability. Number two, my past doesn't determine my future. It doesn't. It doesn't. One encounter with God can change it all. But you have to hunger for it. You could, as Michael has shared, things are really struggling. He's physically struggling with like five different conditions. His things at home is really struggling. He's parenting, his marriage, his, all these things, business, all these things. And then one encounter with Jesus, cleansing, another encounter with God, empowerment, and things shift. Stop being a victim. Stop being deceived by the enemy. Your past does not determine your future. God does. I tell you, God does. You need to believe transformation is possible. Doesn't matter where you are right now, Romans 12, 2, you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to declare war on the rubbish dump. You say, stop it, get out. No longer going to be a victim of this nonsense. Um, closing the door to the enemy, opening the door to God. And that's why freedom encounter is so powerful. I want to really encourage you to join us for it. Position yourself in a place where you can encounter the living God. The number four, everything was done at the cross. This is profound. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Why was Paul like, I don't want to know anything else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because Paul was saying, I'm not going to stand on the rubbish dump. I'm going to stand on the rock. Paul knew where he was supposed to stand. 
The rubbish dump is you have to work for it. You're feeling guilty. You're feeling ashamed. You're feeling like a failure. You're struggling with a bunch of stuff. And you're like, I have to work harder. No. It's not about working harder. It's positioning on the rock. We're like, I only want to know what Jesus did. And he did it all. He did it for you. To set you free. To heal you up. To restore you. To break the chains. To get the devil out. To empower you with his spirit. To move you into who you truly are in Christ. So where are you standing? Where are you standing? I put on the rubbish dump again. Picture please. Where are you standing? That stinks. That stinks. And all that trash draws the enemy in. The second one is better. On the rock. Fresh, clean air. You can think straight. You know who you are in Christ. You know God is with you. That is freedom. That is freedom. And that is what God is calling you into. That is what God is calling you. I want to finish off with this last passage. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Listen to this. This is how God sees you. He says, but you. Come on, say it, me. Me, 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 you. You are a chosen generation. This world has never seen a people like us. The saints. The new creations. Sons and daughters of God filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're not average. You're not mediocre. You're royalty. You have his blood running through your veins. You are a holy nation. Doesn't matter how messy your past looks like. He's saying you are holy. Come on, say it. I'm holy. When you believe that you are holy, you're going to live differently. But if you think you're a miserable sinner, guess what? You're going to, ah, whatever. Let's live miserably. Change your beliefs and you're going to change your behavior. His own special people. Come on, say it. I am special. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. You're special. You're not ordinary. You're not mediocre. You're not just going through life. You have a purpose. You have destiny. You have meaning. I spoke to a, a, a man just before the service. They're moving to New Zealand, and he was in hospital now. He had like five near-death experiences, five ops. Every time he died, they had to shock him back to life. And he said his spirit left his body, and, the, and God spoke to him. While he was in the spirit realm, the, the Lord said to him, go back. I have a purpose for you. Oh, if you would realize that you have a purpose, that you have purpose to your life, you're going to live differently. If you would realize that there are lives at stake and you need to get off the rubbish dump onto the rock so that their lives can be impacted, you're going to live differently. You have purpose. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So you need to believe it. You need to believe it. I'm chosen. He's chosen you. 
He's called you. You are royalty. You are a priesthood that can stand between God and earth, between God and man. You are that connection. You're a holy priest. You're a saint. You're special. You are a people of the light. And God is for you. Amen. I want to encourage you this week. Get back onto the rock. Cast off the lies. Speak differently. Think differently. Get the enemy out. In Jesus' name. If we want to unlock revival, we need to know who we are in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, the pressures of this life won't break you as much. It won't affect you as much. If you know who you are and if you know who's with you, you're like, let's do this. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.